Hello and welcome to Picture the Scene podcast, hosted by me, Andrew. And me, Rachel. And just in case you're listening to us for the first time, we're a true crime podcast aiming to put you, the listener, at the scene of the crime. Although you're already listening to us, so I'm not sure what you thought we were, if not that. <laughs> Today, we'll be touching on themes of domestic abuse, along with the usual murder that you find on a true crime podcast. So listener caution is advised. We would love some interaction on our socials. Because, you know, I'd like to have a friend or two, Aww. or maybe even a case recommended to us. We can be found on Facebook by searching for Picture the Scene Podcast, or on Twitter or Instagram with the handle at ScenePod, that's at S-E-E-N-E-P-O-D. I've not done that in a, bit, a while, have I, Rachel? No, you haven't. Great. Always Before... good to keep us on our toes. Sorry, Rachel, now a question. One you know that I'd love to ask you. Are you ready for some true crime? I am ready for some true crime. You haven't actually asked me how I've been since we last recorded, but oh, I'm, yeah, I'm I'm fine so with that. Hey, Rachel, <laughs> how have you been since we last recorded? Oh, really? Not not great. No, I'm joking. Um, absolutely, absolutely grand. Um, what I would say is because I was going to segue, and that's why I was wondering uh, when you were going to ask that question. I, I was going to segue into um, it being me that will ask you the next time we record that question, um, because I am. You know, signed up to write the next script, guys. So, uh, so yeah, um, the next episode will be written by yours truly. Um, and uh, Andrew will get to um, be in the listeners' shoes um, for the next one. So, yeah. I look forward to it. I really look forward to it. And listeners out there, if you're wondering why I didn't ask Rachel how she was, well, why do you really care how someone is if they don't like cheese and they've never watched The Sopranos? Oh, no. The only way I can be your friend, Rachel, is if you make yourself a nice cheese sandwich while watching The Sopranos. Um, (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Not going to lie, it's not top of my list. Sorry. um, Great. So, yeah, I am looking forward to you telling me a story next time. It'd be good to listen. But if it's safe to do so, I'd like all of you to relax. Close your eyes and picture the scene. Today, I'd like to take us back to not so long ago, the 13th of February, the day before Valentine's Day 2021, almost 18 months ago, and I'd like to take us back to the small, beautiful village, Barrow, in Somerset, England. Now, it's a coastal village, and in the last census that was taken, it had about 1,500 residents. Now, exact dates from when it was formed are unknown, but it was known to be existence in existence in the ni- 900 AD years, so it's at least 1,100 years old. And its oldest building is from the 13th century and is St. Mark's Church. Mm-hmm. Now, as you can probably imagine, nothing much of note happened in this sleepy village. In the summer months, it's popular with tourists, but this was the 13th of February. And it's popular with tourists mainly due to its coastal location and its church. Its coast is on the southwestern part of England, for those that don't know where Somerset is. Now, this day, however, the 13th of February, will probably be one that sticks in the memory of the residents of Barrow, but for all the wrong reasons. That's a bit of a cliche line, isn't it? I just realised. Um, the temperature on that day ranged between minus 3 degrees and 1 degree Celsius. That's 26 to 33 degrees Fahrenheit. So it's very cold range. Mm. Now, I'd like to focus in on the evening of the 13th of February, between the time of 7pm and 9pm. Now, apologies, I couldn't find the exact time, 
but at that point the temperature was just above freezing zero degrees but the real field temperature was about minus six so it felt a lot colder than it was i can't imagine there was many people outside at this time no. and the, other, the other reason why i can't imagine there was many people outside at this time rachel was because it was at the height of lockdown in the uk so most families regardless of where they were based they were staying at home but with the weather, you'd probably choose to stay inside anyway. Now, on this sad evening of the 13th of February, I want to introduce you to an elderly couple, David and Penelope Jackson. Both retired. David was 78 years old at the time, and Penelope, Penelope, how do you say that? Penelope, Pe Penelope, why can't I say that now? You want to say Penelope, don't you? Yes. <laughs> it's Penelope. You, you Penelope. nailed it first time. Penelope, yes, yeah, sorry. We're slightly younger. Uh, at 66 years of age. David was a retired Lieutenant Colonel from the army, having spent many years serving his country and Penelope, Penelope, uh, worked in administration and accounts. That's she like you've just got a really bad delay every time you say that word. <laughs> she, likes, she, actually, she likes to be called Penny. So I'm not- Please uh, from here on in refer to her as Penny. Yes, thank you. Um, Penny worked in administration and accounts, first in the Royal Air Force and later for the Army, which is where she met David. They'd been married for 20, so 24 years, so meeting later in life. Penny was David's third wife, and David was Penny's fourth husband. But for both of them, this relationship was the longest one either of them had had in their lives. Aww. They were having steak that evening for tea. I love a bit of steak. Are you going to tell me you don't like steak, Rachel? No. God. Um, isn't it? Isn't it like? Isn't right before Valentine's Day usually steak and a blowjob day or something like that? I don't know, but David was seventy-eight, so maybe it was just steak and blowing his steak, so it wasn't too hot for him to eat. Eat. I don't know. Um, but sorry. That's okay. The steak had been bought by their daughter. Yes. I'm just thinking, surely I should be the one that knows when it's steak and blowjob day, not you, Rachel. Oh, sorry, um, sorry. Right, go okay. on. His daughter bought um, the steak. Yeah, the a steak had been bought by their daughter, Isabel, for Penny's birthday. That was on that day, the 13th of Fe uh, February. So that's why they had steak. Okay. Penny had prepared bubble and squeak to go with the steak. Now, for those not familiar with bubble and squeak, it's a British dish made from cooked potatoes and cabbage but it can be any veg really that are fried together. I'm saying this because we've got quite a few American listeners. The ingredients are, are usually leftover vegetables from the previous meals. It dates from around the 18th century and it's called bubble and squeak after the sound the food makes when cooking it. And Howard Hillman, who I've never heard of, but is a famous American food writer apparently, calls it one of the greatest peasant dishes of the world. Now, wow, that's I... a shit sandwich. <laughs> no, it's not a shit sandwich, it's bubble and squeak. Um, <laughs> No, but he's saying it's one of the greatest peasant dishes of the world. <laughs> it's like... a peasant dish, the poor people, because it was left over from their previous meal. Although okay. originally it was actually rare roast beef and cabbage. Uh, but I'm not going to spend too long talking about bubble and squeak. <laughs> this uh, is not but, a cooking podcast, yeah. so yeah. we shall swiftly move on. But the question is, why am I focusing on this food so much? Well, it's because this food 
is this food that seems on the face of it to have caused everything that I'm going to talk about. But personally, I'm not too sure of that. So I'd love your opinion at the end, Rachel. And also you, everyone listening out there, let me know what you think. Because of lockdown, they were unable to have the meal with the family, the daughter specifically, which is what they wanted. So he said they had a Zoom meal. So each respective household that formed the family, they cooked, but then they got onto Zoom and they ate their meal together so they could celebrate Penny's birthday, but over Zoom. So I thought, actually, when I saw that, I thought that's a really nice way to overcome the problem of not being together for lockdown, don't you think, Rachel? I think so, yeah. Like, you know, put put a laptop with your family's faces on it at one of the places at the table and then yeah either you if you live on your own or you and your husband can can eat dinner and ask ask um you know oh what what do you think is that is that cooked nicely or whatever over the zoom I actually um when we were during the first lockdown um I worked for a different company and um there were a couple of members of my staff that felt quite lonely they were um living on their own and um they would log into Zoom first thing in the morning um, with a couple of other staff who also lived alone and they would spend all day on the Zoom. So every so often they'd come off mute and be like, oh, did you watch that thing last night? And then, you know, they would go back on mute if they had like tasks to be done in their workflow, whatever. But yeah, they'd still get that kind of cider desk uh, banter, if you like, in the in the early weeks of the lockdown. Um, like but you, you you couldn't think of anything worse now than spending all day on Zoom, could you? Um, but yeah, for them it was a bit of comfort in quite a lonely day in the in the very early days of the very first lockdown. Before people started just working naked. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. not a good idea. So um, during the Zoom call, it seems David wasn't too happy about being served bubble and squeak with his steak, and a few words were said between him and Penny. Penny would later say this about the exchange of words. Now, I am quoting her here. I was absolutely horrified that he was being so nasty. The conversation, which had been loud and chatty, she means between the families over Zoom, just died. Now, as you know, Rachel, and you know this because you told me this the other day, there are always three sides to a story, yours, mine, and the truth. So to help balance it out a little, son-in-law of the couple, Tom Potterton, who was on the Zoom meal, said that he had seen a couple arguing, but, and I quote him, it was relatively short-lived and forgotten about, and later saying it was nothing he was concerned about. And so with the Zoom meal over, each family settled into their evenings, not expecting anything unusual, but that was not to be the case though. Between 8 and 9 p.m. at some point, Penny stabbed her husband, David, three times. Wow. Now, surprisingly, I made a mistake here, actually. She did stab her husband three times, but she'd stabbed her, him once to begin with. So let's pretend I didn't say three times. She stabbed her husband. Surprisingly, this did not kill David straight away. He would have enough strength and wherewithal to pick up the phone and dial 999, the emergency services in the UK, and he asked for the police and an ambulance. While he was on the phone with the emergency operator, he fell to the floor due to his injuries. He actually fell to the floor due to his injuries because while he was on the phone with the emergency operator, that's when Penny stabbed him two more times. Great. So when he's on a live call with, you know, the uh, emergency services, 
why not just document, you know, further killing your husband? Exactly. And now, while at this point, when he fell to the floor, Penny picked up the phone and spoke to the operator. Now, I thought rather than me telling you what she said, do you want to hear it, Rachel? Sure. And are you with him now? Well, I might just go and stab him again. Oh, right. Do not stab him again. Why? Okay, so just listen to my voice. Okay? Stay on the line with me. I am complimented. Okay, are you with the patient now? Well, I'm in the lounge and he's in the kitchen blending to death with any luck. <laughs> All right, um, so just stay on the line with me. All right, madam, I don't how many times have you stabbed him? Um, I did the once. You did the once? And then he said I wouldn't do it again, so I did it twice more. So, okay, so in total, how many times? Uh, three times. Three times, okay. Uh, once I thought I'd get his heart, well, he hasn't got one, and then twice in the abdomen. So, for those of you that struggle to hear this, I'll obviously try and make it louder, uh, as I can be a bit easier telephone call. She's basically admitting that she stabbed him. She goes on to, she actually then goes on, like she's on the phone with the operator, to refuse to go and help her husband when asked to. To be more precise, the operator has to, asked her to apply pressure to the wound to stop the bleeding, and she refused. When she refused, he asked her to at least throw a towel to him so he can do it himself. She again refused. When the police turned up, she is more bothered by not having her coat to go to the police station in, and she actually says, I should have stabbed him some more. When one police officer says to the other, after going in, we need CPR, he's still alive. She then says, oh no, please don't. She is then arrested for attempted murder, because at that moment, he's still alive. She then says, hopefully it's not attempted. And then she gets taken to the police station. Oh my God. I mean, I I know that I laughed in the middle of that. But I think that was more like uncomfortable laughter, because I couldn't quite believe what I was hearing. But... How you're progressing with this, like, there's something not right with her yeah. mental state, right? Well, we'll see. We'll see. So when she gets to the police station, and I will either actually link the video in the show notes or put it on our social media or both because we have the body cam footage mm. of the police officer I've, before she gets to the police station when she's arrested and when she gets there. But when she gets to the police station... It, the body cam footage shows her getting out of the car. She's subsequently rearrested for murder because by at this point he's died. Mm. To which she replies, Oh good. Oh, so I guess God. the question is not did she do it? Because it's quite obvious she did do it. Mm-hmm. She's admitted it several times, both on the calls to the police officers more than once. But why did she do it? Yeah. Uh, can you hazard a guess, Rachel? Yeah, I'm going to go along the lines of, like, coercive control. Um, Yeah, like, I don't actually know this case. And um, I'm going to I'm gonna go as far as to say I didn't even, like, hear about it in, in the press high level. Um, but I'm, I'm guessing she's going to claim he had some sort of control over her manipulation over the years. Um, and she has just, like, literally been so highly strung to the point that she's gone, do you know what? I'm going to kill him. 
I can't can't deal with this anymore she's had a like it, it might be seen as a moment of madness but she's had a moment of clarity where she's like well, I don't kill him I'll always be controlled by him so is that along the right lines well she did claim it was because of domestic abuse so yes along those okay. lines right, okay right she was arrested she calls him at the house she calls him an aggressive bully and that's why she stabbed him she says that she couldn't take it anymore now, addition, additionally, she had written a note on a notepad that the couple kept by the telephone to jot anything down while they needed while they was on the phone. That doesn't happen anymore. They that's such, yeah. that's such uh, an old person thing to do. And I, I'm going to stand by that comment because mum and dad still have a notepad and pen by the telephone. <laughs> yeah, it is, but it's... Do you know what else is really old school? When you answer the phone with your telephone number. Oh, wow. I've not heard that in years. Yep. Still happens by my parents. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. I always use to answer the phone like, who's this? <laughs> but that's probably rude. I don't do that now. Um, Who this? Anyway, sorry. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So the note was titled Confession. And in one of the corner had the line sorry for my spelling and in the other corner it said self-defense now i'll pop the image up on our social media platforms too of the note but the note said this to whom it may concern i have taken so much abuse over the years look at my records in germany but he was a good daddy however the mask slipped tonight and that was unforgivable i accept my punishment may he rot in hell the mask slipped his mask slipped yes Right, okay. So she would, the day after being arrested, refuse to speak to the police, instead preparing a written statement by her solicitor that outlined that she had been the victim of extreme violence, which started with the death of David's son by suicide in 1998. Now, the pair had been living in Germany at the time on an army base, which is where she refers to um, on her note, where she says, look at my records in Germany. No, the case went to trial and Penny would plead not guilty to murder, but guilty to manslaughter. The trial lasted two and a half weeks. Now, during the trial, the court heard from many witnesses, including Penny herself. But before I go into what she had to say, I'd like to bring you some interesting information that came out at the trial. It seemed David had been violent to Penny after his son's death. Their daughter testified, Isabel, that he had been violent three times, once giving her a bloody nose, once pulling a knife on her, and once pushing her up against a wall. Isabel, the daughter, said that this was a, as a direct result of him being unable to cope with the grief of losing his son to suicide, because the son's suicide note said that he didn't want to turn out like his father. It was almost blaming him. Now, what he meant by that was that David left his first wife, whom he had two daughters and a son with, when he had an affair with another woman. That other woman then became his second wife. David then left his second wife when he had an affair with Penny, who he later married. Now, shortly after their marriage is when his son committed suicide. It seems that his son's wife was pregnant at the time when he committed suicide, but he had an affair with another woman. So that's what he was alluding to in his suicide note that he didn't want to turn out like his dad because he had an affair with a woman while he was married. I mean, surely 
that is a moment in in terms of a son's mental state that is a moment in time that he obviously couldn't overcome because he chose that path but wow I mean so many ways that he could have just resolved that as well like that's such a drastic approach to take you know with children on the way and you know could have just talked to everyone involved and easily said by me obviously but um also that part you shot imagine yeah you being the subject of a note like that yeah from your direct from your son from your child yeah and i guess like no man woman human could um say how they would respond or behave to that until they were put in such a situation so yeah out of context no person should ever hit or abuse another person but uh who's to know how you behave when such a tragic um you know thing happens in your life and you know you you would lose control wouldn't you you put things so well rachel i agree now isabel their daughter stated that after those three acts of violence from david towards penny he actually sought counseling oh wow because he didn't want to do that anymore and he had subsequently over time gotten over his grief and no, the violence was n- never repeated after those three attempts. So while it was not obviously on, it was good that it didn't continue. Yeah, and his daughter's testifying to that. Yeah. So she's it's not just her opinion. She is categorically saying it did not happen after the fact, yeah. which is very powerful. Now, she claimed, Isabel, I'm talking about the daughter, that Penny was controlling and aggressive, that she always liked to be the centre of attention, and that she liked to make people feel awkward. She once said that when they were visiting their home, that's David and Penny, when they lived in Australia, when Isabel lived in Australia, Penny had refused to close her bedroom door and would often sit on her bed drying her hair while naked, positioning herself so that when she did it, their pubescent son would always see her. Making, oh my God. making him feel awkward because he was, I think, around 13 at the time. Can I, can I establish, sorry, Penny is not the biological mother of Isabel, right? Well, see, the thing, I don't think so, but the thing that confuses me is that she refers to her as mother even after what happened. In everything that I read, it refers to stepson for David's son, but it refers to daughter for her. So, well, you'd probably think possibly not, I would or probably think yes, it would be. I, I don't know. So, so just to add further disgust to that particular instance, that was her biological grandson. That wasn't. But even if he wasn't a biological grandson, I know, I know, it's still disgusting because he's thirteen. But I'm just saying, just just to clarify, that is her blood, yeah, um, yeah. blood relation, not just her new partners grandson that is her like you know I just think that just adds a, another level to the disgust of that behavior oh yeah yeah okay so David's second wife Sheila Taylor mm-hmm. gave evidence that she remained in contact with her ex-husband purely as friends and he would often confide in her that he was scared of Penny that he had told her this on many times and that he was also unhappy in the relationship, and he told her that many times. She said this to the court. I asked him, I asked why he didn't leave her. He replied, she said if I ever tried to leave, 
she would do a bobbit on me. He was very frightened and honestly believed Penny was capable of carrying out that threat. Now, for those of you that don't know, Lorraine Bobby was a woman who cut off her husband's penis and then, oh. threw, and then threw it out of the car window many years ago. Out of the car window? I did not know that story. No. Yeah, it was in the news everywhere. Like, I think it was in the 90s. And she basically, while he was sleeping, cut off his willy. I'm allowed to say willy, aren't I? Cut off his willy, then drove off. And then while she was driving somewhere, this is in America, threw it out the window. That's and why he's like, speechless. That's why it's called like doing a bobbit. Um, Google. Oh my god! I don't know that. Don't Google exactly like Bobby's penis because you'll see it. But obviously, so, um, the story. did he die? No, no, he actually became like a for a while a minor celebrity. I even think he started in a porn film. I think they either sold it on or they gave him a, like a artificial. I can't fully remember now, but he became bionic penis. Uh, quite sure about that. Wow. He he became like a minor celebrity because I remember it being in the papers and that. Yeah. Did he stay? With us, I, I remember. I wow. Know. Okay. So, yeah, I can see why that would have put him off leaving her. Yeah. So the court would also hear from many neighbours and friends of the couple, who said that while they argued from time to time, it was never anything serious, and they witnessed no abuse or signs of abuse, and that Penny never said that she was unhappy. They also testified on the character of David and of Penny with David coming across from everyone as friendly and loving and Penny less so. It would also come out that she stabbed him, and I've said this already, but the second or third time, well, he was actually on the phone with 999 trying to get help. Now, no, Penny really gave, sorry for him. Now, Penny gave evidence in the trial, in her own defence. She said that she was horrified he was being so nasty about the bubbling squeak, that she went to the side away from the camera and started to cry. She said this while giving evidence. I was just inside in bits, my whole birthday being ruined, all over bubble and squeak. This was the final straw because in December I had mentally said I wasn't going to put up with it. He had the contempt for me and he had been so rude and obnoxious in front of our daughter. See, even she refers to her as our daughter, so that's why I don't know. Mm. It, it wasn't the straw that broke the camel's back, but it was in the bundle. I cried and cried and cried. I was so upset about the whole of the last year of my marriage. As far as I was concerned, my marriage had just imploded. It wasn't earth shattering, but belittling me over bubbling squeak. She went on to explain how she had taken the knife to bed with her to kill herself, but instead went into her husband's room. But instead he called her prophetic and told her to go back to bed. She would then say, it was just like pasty sugar. I was in utter despair. I looked at him and said, I have done nothing wrong. I admit you are sorry. He said, for God's sake, shut up. He literally couldn't be bothered. It was utter contempt. She would then claim she didn't intend to kill him. Now, Penny was found guilty of murder by a majority verdict of 10 to 2 by the jury. The judge gave her an 18-year minimum sentence and some of his closing remarks were, now I'm actually going to put, I don't do this often, I'm going to put the link to all of the closing remarks from the judge because they're really interesting in the show notes. Uh, but some of the closing remarks were that David was a kind, caring and gentle man who was a loving father and grandfather. And that he believes Penny wrote the confession note before she stabbed her husband. She said it was after, but the judge saying that he believed it was before. Was that a hiccup? 
Sorry. That's, that's fine. You can see you get a podcast hiccup first. Yeah. Um, that it was premeditated murder. This is what the judge said. And it could not be self-defense as their actions, including stabbing him while he was on the phone and then refusing to help him show that it wasn't self-defense. And and that's the thing. It's it's also prolonged because for so long throughout the event and the journey to the police station and then arrival at the police station, she was exactly the same. You know, good. He deserves it. Like, make sure you don't don't like revive him. Like, you know, the, you can sometimes kind of see when somebody has that moment of madness. You know, frenzied attack, and then immediately filled with regret or dread or fear. But for for so long, she's just kind of standing by what she's done, and you know, almost um, enjoying it. Dare I say? And do you remember what she said in the call or on the call? I am Compass Ventus. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Almost claiming, you know, which again, if you're in a, I mean, I'm only speaking from my um, knowledge, which is not a lot on the subject, but, you know, what you usually say when people are committing these attacks in, in a moment of madness is, you know, they're not being statements like that being read out and, and the calmness that she was displaying, because you've not just read it out, we've actually heard the call yeah. and she's incredibly calm and almost like passive to the situation hey the judge actually talks about that he says you he was the phone call was 18 minutes long and david would have heard everything that she was saying adding to the the pain he was feeling while he was dying and so yeah it's worth noting that the judge clearly stated he did not believe this was true i'm saying that because I haven't actually put this in here, but I'm saying that because some people afterwards said that she was only found guilty because the jury didn't understand what domestic abuse was. So I just find it interesting that that was said afterwards, but the judge clearly said, I don't believe this is domestic abuse. This was premeditated. And so... I would almost... I would say if if we were looking like 10 years ago, or, or maybe less, like five, six, seven, eight years ago, you could argue that there wasn't as much knowledge about like what is classified as domestic abuse because it's not just like physical but yeah. like mental yeah coercive control and all that but this happened like in 2021 there was a lot of information throughout 2020 on people who were in lockdowns in homes in uh you know England and all sorts of places all over the world that were experiencing like even worse domestic abuse and if anything that was kind of one of the number one kind of headlines off the back of the, the lockdown, the mental health crisis that had, had resulted from it. And uh, so I, I'd argue that you couldn't claim that the jury weren't familiar with what domestic abuse was in 2021. Like Exactly. I mean, I, I find, so after, after the trial, Penny did appeal, claiming that she did not get a fair trial because of the media coverage, including the telephone call and body cam footage being released. She didn't win her appeal. And like I said, some spokespeople for domestic abuse charity spoke out at the injustice that had occurred, that Penny was a victim and she should have been afforded that status when sentenced and even not even charged. So like I say, the judge clearly said he didn't believe this was true. Now, I don't often give my opinion, but I think this is an interesting one, Rachel. Mm. Now, in my opinion, I think it goes without saying that every claim of domestic abuse, and not just the ones that might end tragically like this, 
they need to be taken seriously and investigated. But I don't necessarily think that every claim equates to actual domestic abuse. And I think, no, it's not based on fact, this is my opinion, so feel free to disagree. The vast majority are real. And it's probably only a fraction of a percent that are not. But everyone needs to be investigated. They can't just be one side. I'm not talking about female or male, but one side saying it happened and they say, okay, that must be gospel. In particular, in this case in particular, I would err on the side of, like you said, how she acted. The domestic, the domestic, the documented history of how she behaved, that she probably intended to kill him and then say she was abused. That while he may have argued with her from time to time, domestic abuse didn't occur. Arguments don't equate to domestic abuse, always. Now, at least not from him to her. Now, I do believe that it may have occurred from her to him. So there may have been domestic abuse, but the other way around with him being a victim. But that's just my opinion. I mean, Your that's, a really good, that's a really good point, Andrew, because, you know, he might have just kind of taken her behaviour, the whole of his life, adult life that they've been together, and he's just gone, okay, look, my bad, sorry, didn't mean that. But in this moment, in this lockdown, he's kind of pursued his line of disgust with the bubble and squeak and she's broken and gone who the hell do you think you are talking to me like that because she has actually been the abuser and so that's why it's escalated so I, i think that's a really valid point um i'm only going off what you have told me obviously, because again, you know, I I didn't know about the case or or read about it at the time. To me, it sounds like you've hit the nail on the head there with your opinion. Again, like happy to be corrected if anybody knows differently. But um, but yeah, I've definitely been, you know, on a roller coaster of thoughts with this particular case, because at the start, I was like, wow, gosh, well, she's been forced to do it. And, you know, obviously had a moment of madness. But like, now, you've kind of delivered the the judge's comments and the sentencing it's like completely transformed the way that I originally felt and now I feel poor David and you know his son his surviving son and his daughter as well having to um deal with such an awful tragedy exactly now I do say this is my opinion that there is a clear divide from when I was researching this some people think that she was a victim and some people think that he was no, so I recommend everyone go out and look at this because there was also other things like, for example, in the December before, which is why she refers to December. I couldn't include everything in, in the script, but in December mm. before, the police were called out because he had broken a window in a conservatory with a golf club. Now, wow. she referred to that as being him being an abuser, but the police report said that they felt that she wasn't in danger, that she wasn't victim of abuse and the judge commented on it saying basically well it happened he believed it was him trying to get out of the house so it depends again how you look at these things so yeah there's lots of different ways so do go research it for yourself i'm happy to be told i'm wrong it's just my opinion but for one last time if it's safe you to do so i'd like you to relax close your eyes and picture the scene you have a family who are are a couple and they always seem to niggle at each other. Do you just brush it off as they're always like that? Or do you step in and try and help? So thank you everyone for listening to this. Thank you, Rachel. Looking forward to the next time when you 
are presented to me. Yes, thank you, Andrew. A really good case. Thanks very much for bringing it to our attention and look forward to hearing from everyone. And uh, best get my um, pen and paper out and start writing that script, eh? Indeed, get the one from next to the phone. Okay, thanks. Bye, everyone. <laughs> Bye. Thank you.